Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about praying for and with those we counsel. Well, I'm joined today by my good friend and fellow brother pastor, Brian Gaines. Brian is the pastor of leadership and discipleship at Grace Community Church in Glen Rose, Texas, and uh, he is a contributor to CBCD and our training events and our resources, and uh, even more than that, he is a dear friend and a fellow brother pastor, and I'm so thankful that he's here to have this conversation with us today. So, Brian, thanks for being with us. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here, and so grateful for the ministry here. So, we believe in biblical counseling that we need to be speaking the truth in love, and we spend a lot of time talking about the appropriateness. That's a godly, biblical thing to do. But is it possible that, that sometimes we emphasize that good goal to the detriment of other good goals, like praying for counselees or playing, praying with counselees? Yeah, I think, you know, speaking even for my own uh, life and ministry, um, we can be so consumed with making sure we're faithful to God's word and the content that we uh, speak into the lives of our counselee that uh, we can lose sight of the vitality of the prayer that needs to be a part of even that preparation, part of the process in actual counseling with the individual or individuals, as well as even you know afterwards pondering what we have spoken to them and reflecting upon that prayerfully as we prepare then for our next meeting and how to minister to them. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've been studying a little bit on uh, just prayer in general throughout the scriptures, in particular focusing on Paul's prayers. And one thing that I've noted that I've never really uh, thought much about, but in almost all of his epistles, um, he starts out at the beginning praying for them. And I'd recognize that, and I, I make those prayers uh, frequently my own uh, for myself and others. But Almost always, in each of those, towards the end, he then asked for their prayers for him. And I thought that was interesting, because here you have the Apostle Paul um, ministering the Word of God faithfully to these people in light of their situations. Uh, but then he turns around and says, and please pray for me also, that I would likewise be faithful. And oftentimes, that's in uh, proclaiming the gospel as he ought. Yeah, that's so interesting. You feel like prayer must be important if he's starting off the letter that way, and he's concluding the letter that way, and then he's praying for them and asking for prayers uh, on his behalf. So mm -hmm. that's really interesting. So so let's just jump, jump into the topic. Um, what are some uh, thoughts on how we as biblical counselors can both pray for those we minister to, as well as how to teach them how to pray? Yeah, so I think modeling uh, what we see there with the Apostle Paul would be one, and uh, he would, would pray for them. And so as we're doing perhaps formal or even informal uh, counseling discipleship, just the importance up front of acknowledging our dependence, our utter dependence upon the Lord, and for the wisdom of his word to be granted to us, for the ability to understand, to grow and change um, according to his word. And so praying with and for our counselees, um, as we do see modeled there. And I think, you know, also as we consider prayer, uh, we don't want to assume that those we're ministering to really know how to pray biblically. 
Uh, I think naturally we pray selfishly. <laughs> um, the culture helps advocate that. Um, but the scriptures teach us how to pray biblically. Even the disciples, you know, if we recall back in Luke and, and Matthew, what, 6, 9, uh, was it 9 through 13, uh, with the Lord's Prayer, um, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus then said, pray then like this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it continues to give them both an actual prayer to pray as well as an outline for how we should pray. And so one of the things I've become increasingly uh, convicted of in my own ministry is, one, the need to pray more fervently, uh, more faithfully, um, more, uh, as we'll see in the text I would love to share with us today, Colossians 1, um, unceasing prayer um, for our counselees and what that looks like. But to just uh, bring them before the Lord um, as we're together, but then also um, in between our meetings to continue to pray for them. You know, one of the things that I've been uh, convicted of is, is I've worked with people and maybe we had a great counseling session. The Word of God was brought to bear upon their lives in a way that was very tangible, relevant, applicable, um, and yet as a counselor, um, struggling with frustration or discouragement in that, you know, what they needed um, was presented and then not seeing the fruit that I would like to see in their lives, the change that I know would be honoring to the Lord. And then I'm often convicted, have I been praying that that would come about? I gave them the truth, but I've been praying that the Spirit of God will enable them to walk accordingly. And so I know that's a conviction I've had in my own life, my own counseling, and, and that's part of what drove me back in then to study the prayers in the Bible. We can do many things after we have <laughs> prayed, right? But we can truly do nothing until we have prayed. John Bunyan, I remember you sharing mm-hmm. that quote with us years ago at a counseling conference, and yeah. it's so relevant for what we're talking about today. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. So so take us to the text, take us to Colossians. What are some insights that... Uh, that we can gain in terms of praying for counselees and, and also teaching them how to pray. Yeah, so just some of the things that really jumped out at me recently, looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. You know, Paul starts out uh, this letter, as we should start out really our counseling sessions uh, or meetings with others, um, reflecting back upon the goodness and the saving grace of God in the lives of others. And he's encouraging them. He's giving thanks to God for them. And I think that's important for us as we meet with others, that every area that we can see the grace of God, the evidences of the Spirit of God at work in their lives, that we we just thank God for that with them and encourage them in what we're seeing. But then also as he starts into the actual prayer in verse 9, uh, he says, We have not ceased to pray for you. And that kind of, you know, is a, is a word that we have not ceased to pray for you. What does he mean by that? <laughs> does that mean literally as Paul writing from prison that uh, he's on his knees, that he's rejecting all food, water that may be brought to him? He's uh, doing nothing but literally praying fervently for them. Is that what he means by unceasing prayer? And so I think that's a, a concept that we need to grapple with. Um, and I think John MacArthur did a good job in talking about unceasing prayer or First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, uh, what that actually means. Because um, what we don't want is, is to encourage our counselees, okay, practice praying without ceasing. And they leave your office, they get in their car, they fold their hands, they uh, seek to drive down the highway with their eyes closed, and they're seeking to drive by faith and not by sight. Yeah, we don't want to do that. That's, <laughs> so that's not an application, appropriate application of pray without ceasing. Yeah. 
Uh, so what does he mean there? And I think MacArthur does a good job. Uh, he talks about unceasing prayer, meaning that in all things we have a Godward orientation. We have a God awareness. And so 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. Um, and so whether it's a conversation that we need to have, a conversation we're having, a difficult circumstance that we're going through, we're acknowledging Coram Deo, that in all things God sees us. We, we live our lives before God, and we want to acknowledge our dependence upon him in all things. And so it's that acknowledgement that um, we're created for his glory and to live for his glory, and that we need to seek his grace and mercy in order to be able to do so and to know the joy of our salvation. So there's a God awareness, but I think also, as MacArthur mentioned, there's a, what he called a people consciousness. Uh, and so as we pray without ceasing, as Paul is doing right here, he's very much aware of God and uh, the grace of God. And he's also very much aware of the people at Colossae and their struggles, um, the false teaching that's coming in. And so he's kind of outlining, even through his prayer, what he's going to write about then throughout the letter. But he's very much aware of their struggles. And so as he prays without ceasing or continuously, um, as the Lord brings them to mind, uh, intentionally bringing them before the throne of grace, um, he's seeking to love them by praying for them. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well, as you keep going there, um, that he, he prays without ceasing and asking what, specifically in his prayer, is they may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And of course, we want our counselees to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And that's why we do biblical counseling, right? And God's will, uh, his prescribed will, is, is put in the text here, um, is his word. And so we want them to be filled with the knowledge of his word. And filled, I had never caught this before, thought about this, but literally that word filled means to be uh, totally controlled by. And so they are controlled by the knowledge of God's word. Um, And that's what we want our counselees, those we disciple, to be filled with because they tend to be filled with their emotions. They tend to be filled with worldly wisdom. They tend to be filled with the counsel that's coming, perhaps even from well-intending people, but it's actually contrary to the word of God. And so we want to pray that they would be filled full of the knowledge of his will. And this next part is super important and really reminds us again of why we should pray. Because they're to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, we can impart the truth of God to them. But apart from the working of the Spirit of God, they're not going to receive that and understand that uh, accordingly. And so, again, in our counseling, we are dependent both to be able to faithfully present that, but we're also dependent upon the Spirit of God to see a real change in their life, right? And so the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's not the fruit of our good counsel. It's, it's ultimately, yes, the Spirit working through us, but He's the one that must produce that. And so we pray that they would have true spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know, it's interesting, Keith, as you look at this, um, what's the purpose of that? Um, it's not so that they can go home and then win a theological argument with their spouse or their child or somebody else at the church. It's so that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will so as to walk in a, man, in a manner worthy of the Lord. Uh, and that is um, so important. Uh, to walk there literally means to live, to conduct themselves 
in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. And I think, you know, if I'm, I'm going to teach a counseling this text, I'm going to probably clarify. Um, that doesn't mean that uh, worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, that you are earning your favor or your status before him, right? Because Christ alone did that. And so it's not referring to the justification, but because we have been justified, then we respond in our lives, seeking to honor the one who is indeed worthy. And so those have been some some wonderful insights that have come out. You know, I think through the years, people have, uh, just considering the doctrines of justification, sanctification, he says here, fully pleasing to him. I think the NASB says, pleasing in all respects. Um and, and people, some people with just will camp out in justification. Well, I don't have to really seek to live by God's word because in Christ I'm already pleasing to the Lord because I have the righteousness of Christ upon me imputed to me. And while that's true, we are pleasing to the Lord in that sight. It's also true that in our sanctification we are to be pleasing in how we conduct ourselves. So maybe an illustration of this: You have kids. <laughs> do your kids always do what are uh, pleasing to you? All the time. Doctors, All the time. Doctors, Good. Doctors, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Yes, and so there's a sense in which um, my kids are my kids and they'll always be my kids by that relationship. And likewise, in Christ, we are always children of the Father. Uh, but in our conduct, uh, oftentimes we are displeasing uh, to the Lord. And so the goal is that they would be uh, pleasing to the Lord. Maybe an illustration of this. Uh, my kids have gotten into music over the last few years, and uh, initially it didn't sound real good, <laughs> but with perseverance, uh, it is now beautiful. In fact, the other night I was rocking our youngest daughter, and my son comes in with his cello. And I like to listen to old classical music while I'm working to drown out other sounds, and just just something I do while I study usually. And as I was sitting there rocking her, I was, I was hearing him play Bach and Beethoven and some of these songs on the cello, and it sounded just like what I listened to on Spotify. Wow. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Yeah. And I was pleased in that um, as a father, um, one, that the Lord had granted him such talent, and I could enjoy that. But two, you know, we've invested in lessons. We invested in an instrument, and he used those to the glory of God to uh, firm up that skill and that ability. And so it was just well-pleasing to hear the fruit of him responding to what he had been gifted with. And likewise with the Father, we've been gifted um, with the gospel. We've been gifted with the word. We've been gifted with the spirit, not to grieve the spirit or neglect the word, but to use those things that have been given to us and to honor the Lord in response. It's a fully pleasing to him. That's what we want in the lives of others, right? That's what we want in our own lives. But again, we must pray because we cannot do it in our own strength. Our counselees need to know that, and uh, we need to encourage them uh, in how to pray. And so, yeah, I guess if you follow on there, it's interesting. What does it then mean for our counselees, for us, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? He gives four participles that, that explain that. You know, one bearing fruit in every good work. Um, if you think back to Ephesians two eight nine, you know, by grace we have been saved through faith, not a result of our own works. Um, and and we like to camp out there because that's such a wonderful, glorious doctrine. But often we forget verse ten, uh, doing the works that He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so uh, part of then being filled with the knowledge of God 
is that, uh, and what it means to walk in a manner worthy is that there's fruit being uh, brought about in our lives and our dependence upon Him, and also increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, we continue to grow. First Peter, was it First Peter two two talks about like uh, newborn um, infants. We're to crave pure spiritual milk, growing up uh, in our salvation, and that's part of what this means. We have a knowledge when we come to God, uh, but the more we know Him, the more we want to know Him, right? And so continue to grow in that knowledge of who he is and experientially what it means to walk with him. And then a couple more, you know, participles there of what it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, that you may be strengthened um, with all power according uh, to his glorious might. And that's encouraged because, you know, we were talking earlier um, in ministry and in life, there's a lot of difficult circumstances. And we can tend to just want to give up or throw in the towel or this is just too much. But as we look at his calling upon us and we look at the one who strengthens us according to his glorious might, how much might and how much power does our glorious God have? It's infinite, right? And what an encouragement that he strengthens us with his unlimited supply of power so that we can endure whatever the circumstances are. We can endure and demonstrate patience, again, a fruit of the Spirit, um, whether it's with people, whether it's with circumstances, and we can do so with, and here's the kicker, with joy, right? It's, it's one thing just to bear up and get through and grit your teeth and be stoic all the way through, but to actually know joy and to rejoice, to count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds, again, is the work of the Spirit, and therefore we must pray. And so those are just encouraging things as as I look at this text. And maybe one more. Uh, the last participle there in verse 12, giving thanks. Giving thanks to the Father. Uh, and so in our prayer, uh, we tend to come um, wanting. <laughs> give me, give me, give me, help me, help me, help me. But I think in our prayer, we want to see our counselees have a, a regular habit and pattern. We want to teach them that... Uh, you know, God's will is to give thanks in all circumstances. And so what are the things they can give thanks for in their circumstance? The circumstance itself may be trying, but who is at hand in the midst of the circumstance? And who are they in Christ in the midst of their circumstance? And so that's so wonderful. And if you look at verses 12 through 14 there, uh, giving thanks to the Father, um, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? A whole lot there. We are Christ's inheritance. He has purchased us with his blood, but also we inherit uh, measurable blessings in the heavenly places through him. But then also we're, we're in the light. And, and that's something to give thanks for because we were once in the darkness, dead in our trespasses and sins. And yet he has been so kind and gracious to rescue us uh, from that. He has delivered us then from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so this is just, you know, one text that, that, uh, you know, I plan on very intentionally walking through with my counselees at some point in the counseling process. Um, because before I graduate them, um, not just having helped them with their situation and struggles, I want them to practice unceasing prayer. Because if they don't, they're going to likely wind up right where they started. Going back to those being filled with the knowledge of the, the, the word or the world, uh, rather the knowledge of the word, um, and, and perhaps falling into those patterns. And so they need to be dependent upon the word of God, the spirit of God through prayer um, each day. So good. I mean, 
what I'm learning here is those of us at Disciple, we need to use a text like this to guide how we're praying for our counselees so that we're, mm-hmm. playing, we're praying biblical prayers, we're focusing on the right things. And yeah, a lot of these things are things that we don't typically pray for, but but also to use a text like this to teach our counselees how to pray. And we're modeling good exposition and just drawing out the text, but, but mm-hmm. using that as a guide to teach others how to counsel, or excuse me, how to pray in, in the context of counseling. But but I remind you, too, that, you know, I know you and I, when we give homework assignments, we'll often just use the normal spiritual disciplines. That's the, the core of homework, mm-hmm. and hopefully prayer time is a part of that. And uh, this conversation is good because it reminds us that if we're going to ask our counselees to pray, and we should, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we're equipping them to do that successfully. And uh, so I think what you're what you're helping us to see here is, is a manner, a way that we can go about doing that. And, uh, and it's interesting, as you know, what you said earlier about... Uh, the prayer, the letters of Paul. Uh, when you get to Colossians four, he's going to say, "What be devoted mm-hmm. to prayer?" Yeah. Right. So there's that admonition at the end of it there. So uh, mm-hmm. very good. So um, um, any any further, uh, just last minute thoughts on how we can grow in our prayers for people or learning from people? Maybe some resources or uh, anything along those lines. Yeah, I think you know a couple things. One. Um, how can we know what to pray for people? And this is really deep and very theological. Ask them. Listen to them. Yeah, <laughs> Listen right. to them. Ask them. And so hear what they're struggling with. And then as we hear what they're struggling with, help them to go to the Lord with their struggles. And we do that through teaching them how to pray and pray the scriptures. And so the Psalms, right? There is no better book, so to speak, for prayer than the Psalms because it's a book of prayer. It's a book of praise. And so just helping them to identify their struggles, identifying who God is in their struggles, and then taking the scriptures that we give them for homework to study, to to ponder, to seek to live out, uh, to just to pray, Lord, help me to truly understand this. Help me to live in this way and just to daily depend upon him for the grace to do that. And as far as some resources, uh, maybe in in uh, teaching our counselees to pray um, outside the, the wonderful prayers in the Bible. Um, I guess one years ago that had a, a pretty profound impact upon me was Donald Whitney's books, his Spiritual, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, and then more recently, uh, Praying the Bible. Just very good, very simple. Um, but what I've found is I, is I try to help people learn how to pray and not just repeat those rote prayers that sometimes aren't even heartfelt anymore. Um, as, as they read the Bible, help them then to respond in prayer. Because God speaks to us through His Word. We speak to Him through prayer. And we do that most biblically as we respond to Him through His Word. And so just helping them understand that pattern. Well, thanks so much, Brian, for being here with us today. It's been a very helpful conversation. Uh, my pleasure to be here. listening to Counsel the Word. For more information about Pastor Brian Gaines and the Ministry of Grace Community Church, you can visit them at their website at gccministries.org. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, to access our training, our hundreds of free resources, and just to get to know us a little bit better, you can visit us at thecbcd.org.